0: If you have your Bibles, uh, would you please turn, flip, swipe to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We'll begin with verse number 12 and read through verse 28. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 12, going through verse number 28. As you can see, a number of people are standing around you at this time. Here at the Bridge Church, we stand in honor and reverence uh, to God's most holy word. And so if you are willing and able, uh, we'd ask for you to stand. And uh, after this, you'll be able to sit for at least 30 minutes. Uh, uh, And maybe even more. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, First Corinthians chapter number 15, beginning with verse number 12, and this is how the word of our Lord reads. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only. We are of all people most. To be pitied. But. In fact. Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruit of those who f- have fallen asleep. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection unto him that God may be all in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have your seat. Humor me, if you will, in a simple game of what if? What if the British immigrants to America had not thrown chests of tea into the Boston Harbor protesting taxation without representation? What if America had not won the American Revolution? Could you imagine? What would have happened if the North had not won the Civil War? What if the Allies had not won World War I or World War II? What if Martin Luther King had never been assassinated? What if President John F. Kennedy had not been assassinated. What if? What if? The Apostle Paul has another what if question for us this morning. What if the dead are not raised bodily from the grave? What if Christ has not risen? Paul doesn't leave our mind to wonder or to imagine. He answers this question for us plainly. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse number 12, Paul first tells us or gives us the consequences of denying bodily resurrection. The consequences of denying bodily resurrection. Paul actually begins this argument by going back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1. He reminded them that that, that he, he preached a gospel to them. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Paul points out explicitly that they received The gospel that he preached. The the, the fact that they received it means that they believed it to be true and now they were living based on that received truth. They affirmed the gospel, they believed in the gospel. in case they were confused or had forgotten the, 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 the elements of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, he outlines it in verses 3-11 through of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, here is the gospel plainly. Christ died according to the scriptures. Christ was buried and Christ rose according to the scriptures. And the, the way he did, he goes on to prove that Christ has risen from the dead. He talks about multiple times how Christ appeared to different individuals. And so there are eyewitnesses to the fact of the resurrection. And Paul simply reminds them that this gospel of death, burial and resurrection, you believed and received. So Paul, now he says, I want to show you the whole in your argument. Paul argues here, beginning in verse number 12 and 13, that you can't believe on one hand that the gospel, which includes bodily resurrection of Christ, and then on the other hand, believe dead men don't rise. Paul's pointing out to them that this is a contradiction of belief. Christ, who was a man, you believe he rose from the dead. But then on the other hand, you're saying the dead men don't rise. And so Paul, he has argued that the premise that there is no bodily resurrection is both illogical and inconsistent with your stated beliefs. Friends, This position that there is no bodily resurrection has disastrous consequences. Let me show it to you. If Christ is not risen, friends, then there is no salvation. Remember, Romans 10 and 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The resurrection is crucial for men to be saved. Not only is there no salvation, but there also is no justification. That word justification, it means to be declared righteous by God. Romans 4.25 says that Jesus our Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised because of our justification. So Paul here says, If you deny the bodily resurrection, then the God-sent Messiah is still dead. If you deny the bodily resurrection, then the God-sent Messiah is still dead. But he says, if you deny bodily resurrection, then the gospel message is false. Verses 14 through 16. Look, he says, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. When when Paul references preaching here, he's not referring to the activity of preaching, but rather the content of what's preached. And the content of what's been preached by both Paul and the rest of the disciples, the rest of the apostles, excuse me, is the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so Paul says, if Christ is not risen, the gospel cannot be true. Friends, if Christ is not risen, the gospel is not good news, it's fake news. Without the resurrection, friends, The gospel is a sham. And if the gospel is a sham, then so is the faith it produced. If the gospel is a sham, then all those who preach the gospel are frauds and liars. Matter of fact, they are the worst of liars because they have indeed lied on God. Because they proclaim in the gospel that it was God who raised him from the dead. So then, if Christ is not risen, then all gospel preachers have bore false witness about God. So Paul says, if you deny the body of the resurrection, the God sent Messiah is still dead. The gospel message is false. And the church, finally, is the most miserable of all people. Verses 17 through 19. Verse 17, he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Paul's logic here, church, is that if the gospel is false, then the faith it produces is empty. In other words, he's saying your faith produces, Is void of any substance. It's worthless. Therefore, we are all still in our sins. Friends, if we are all still in our sins, then we are all guilty. We stand condemned before our most holy God. If Christ is not risen, we have not been forgiven. If Christ is not risen, we still owe a debt to God that we cannot pay. Friends, and this is a most miserable state because that means we are all destined for damnation. We're all guilty and on our way to hell if Christ has not risen. There's more, though, to this misery of the saints. Look at verse 18 then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Paul uses this euphemism of falling asleep to refer to death because Paul's theology and our theology is that those who have died, they're not dead, they're asleep. They are resting in Christ. The fact that they're falling asleep means death. Paul expects that they will wake up. They will rise again. So Paul uses this this terminology of falling asleep rather than perish. But Paul says if Christ has not risen, they didn't fall asleep. They have perished. Friends, the bottom line is that if Christ is not risen, death has won. If Christ is not risen, death is the victor over Christ. If Christ is not risen, death has the final word. If Christ is not risen, death has not and cannot be conquered. If Christ is not risen, death is more powerful than Christ. So Paul argues that those who died believing in Christ are not asleep. They are dead. They are lost forever. Their bodies and souls will be separated forever. If Christ is not risen, there is no hope that we will see our loved ones again. If Christ is not risen, we won't see Grandma and grandpa. We won't see mama or daddy. And so then, that means for us who are alive now, that death is the end and death is to be feared. So Paul sums all of this up in verse 19. He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, We are of all people most to be pitied. We are the most miserable because we are a very delusional people. These are the consequences of denying bodily resurrection. That's why when we we come back next week, I want to do part two of this. Don't worry, I'm not ending the sermon. I got another point. I'm just letting you know, next week we're going to talk about the the nature of the resurrection and the body that we will have in the resurrection. We will finish 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But Paul doesn't end his argument there. He goes on in verse 20 through 28, and now, secondly, he gives them the certainty of bodily resurrection. Verse 20 is the climax of this unit. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Oh, I thought I had a church with me this morning. Let me go back and read that. Verse 20 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Friends, that's a reason to rejoice this morning. Christ is risen. Christ is alive. That's a marvelous truth. And that's a reason to give God praise this morning because that means that since Christ has been raised, everything that he said in the prior section is null and void. The opposite then is true. Since Christ has been raised, the gospel is true. Since Christ has been raised, our faith is real. Since Christ has been raised, we are saved, saved, saved. Since, since Christ has been raised, you are forgiven. <laughs> since Christ has been raised, we are justified. That means guilty sinners have been declared by their judge, their maker, and their creator not guilty. Since Christ has been raised, death We do not fear you because you have been conquered. You have been defeated by our Lord, our Savior, and our King, Jesus Christ. So I don't come here this morning on Resurrection Sunday miserable. I come here to rejoice because Christ is alive and because he lives, I know I too will live. Paul says, he says, Christ, he he, he has indeed risen from the dead, he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits, that was the first part of the harvest that was offered to God. The fact, friends, that Christ is the first fruits means that there will be more fruit. <laughs> because Christ rose, we can have this blessed assurance that we too will be part of this holy harvest. That we too will rise again from the dead. Look at verse 23. He says, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. The, the, the second part of, of verse 23 teaches us three important truths. One, well actually all of verse 23 teaches us three important truths. One, Christ is first. Like we said, that means there will be more. And the fact that Christ is the first fruit means that Christ is the pledge, the guarantee, the down payment that we too will rise again. A few days ago I went to a... Sam's Club, and spent way too much money. And uh, so I was there, but while I was there, somebody stopped me. This guy, he gave me this blue card, and uh, I have no idea where I'm going with this illustration, so just be gracious to me. He, gave me, he gives me this blue card, and he says, um, come to this place where the balloons are, and you'll receive a free stainless steel knife. Now, I tell my kids all the time, nothing in this world is free. Don't, don't believe it. And then Brianna will say something like, what, what about buy one, get one free? <laughs> I love you, baby girl. <laughs> I said, nothing is free. And then, and then somebody like BJ, who try to get real smart and holy on me, he'll be like, salvation is free. then I remind him I got a master's of theology, but it cost Jesus his life. Hmm, hmm. (laughs) So I know something's up. And I've done enough of these, now I know, okay, I'm going to have to sit through some presentation. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) But I heard the word free. So I went. And so I get there, I just want my free knife. I just want this stainless steel knife, you know, because... We be cooking and stuff, so I I just, I want my free knife. We need another knife. So I go there, and uh, this man, he's got a microphone. He's got a little speaker there. I'm like, oh, here we go. And so he gives me this presentation of all these different knives. It's so sharp and stuff. It can cut through wood and and, and what have you. And he says, if it can cut through wood, then it cut through frozen meat. Thank you for that. But one of his selling points for this, this, uh, 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 this, this, these knives was, well, one of them was you could get like an eight-piece set for $60. I was like, oh, that's cool. I ain't got $60. I just want my free stainless steel knife. And of course, by the way, it's one of those paring knives, so they got me. It's one of those little knives, but it was really a sharp knife. Okay, let me get back on topic here. But one of his selling points was, you know, he says, knives, you use them over time. They, they get dull or what have, you, what have you. And so, you know, why spend a lot of money on, uh, uh, on knives? And so he says, we're going to give you a lifetime guarantee so that if anything was to happen to these knives, you just send it back to us and we'll send you another one free of charge. Remember, I said I have no idea where I was going with this illustration. Jesus is our lifetime guarantee of the resurrection. Jesus is our lifetime guarantee that that because he rose, we know that God will one day uh, bring us back from life as well. That's all I got. So the first truth that we learn in verse 23 is that Christ is first, which means he is the pledge to guarantee there will be more to come. But verse 23 also teaches us this important truth. He says, then at his coming, second truth, Christ is coming back. Friends, our Christ, our Lord, our Savior, he will return to the earth a second time. The first time he came, born of a virgin, he came to save. But the second time he comes, he's coming to judge. And when he comes the second time, Paul says there will be a resurrection of those who belong to Christ. Those who believe in Christ belong to Christ. We are Christ's possession. And because we belong to Christ, we have a sure hope that our bodies will rise and that they will be reunited with our souls. Here's the question that I have for us today as I prepare to close this message. The question that every person needs to answer is, who do you belong to? Everybody belongs to someone. You either belong to Christ, or you belong to Satan, and there is no in-between. And friend, it is only those who belong to Christ that have the promise of eternal life. If you belong to Satan, eternal death. And so how can you belong to Christ this morning? Believe the truth that you have heard multiple times this morning, that Jesus, the Son of God, died your death for your sins, for your crimes, for your wrongs, for your transgressions. He was buried, but Easter came. He rose from the grave. And friends, do you not realize that right now, in this moment, we live between two Easters? First Easter was the resurrection of Christ. The second Easter is the resurrection of the saints. But here's the thing. Paul doesn't address this in this topic, but there's also going to be a third resurrection. The resurrection of the wicked. They're going to rise, too. And they're going to receive a body, too. But it's so that they can be tormented and punished in hell. Which resurrection? I'm finishing. Which resurrection will you be a part of? Paul says, after he comes back and raises those who belong to him... Paul says, then comes the end, the telos. That that the end speaks of the goal of the resurrection. And that goal is to deliver the kingdom to God the Father. After destroying every rule and every authority and every power, God will hand over, Jesus Christ will hand over the kingdom to God the Father. But now Christ reigns. Why? Until every enemy has been put under his foot. And friends, there is a final enemy that must be put under his foot and that enemy is death itself. Death has been defeated but it will finally be destroyed when Christ shall return. Death Friends, is a defeated enemy. Christ has won the victory. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Worship team, you can come back. We don't have to wonder what if Christ has, had not risen from the dead. Paul explains that Clearly. But it's not even an issue for us who believe in Jesus Christ because we know without a certain without any uncertainty that Christ indeed has risen from the dead. And because he has risen, we have all the promises that go with his resurrection. We are saved. We are justified. And we have this hope that we one day will see our risen Lord. And we will receive glorified bodies when we see him. We will be like him. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. I want you to be there. Will you be there, my friend? Have you believed? Have you placed all of your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have hope beyond this life? If not, This offer of hope is extended to you. And you can have it through Jesus Christ our Lord. What what is in this text for the believer? That we live in light of the resurrection. Resurrection when, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That was the beginning of the new creation. Of the new heavens and the new earth. And so on one hand we look forward. To living in the new heavens, in the new earth. And so we, we don't become a miserable people because we know that we have a future destiny that is beyond this world where all wrongs will be made right, where there will be no more hurt, no more guilt, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more sickness. But Paul would also have us to live in light of this resurrection truth. Because we've been made new because of Christ. We've been made alive because of Christ. Now we are to live in light of the gospel. The old man has died. We've become a new man or a new woman in Christ. And so now we must live in light of that. Let's stand and sing in response.